You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And welcome in to the Swarmcast, David Eichel, along with Sean Bach and Dylan Byrne. Uh, a little bit of technical difficulties earlier in the week when we were trying to uh, record this initially. We're hoping to get that solved here Uh this you know this week so we can be back to normal uh hang in next week but guys despite the technical difficulties uh how you doing i'm doing i'm doing all right uh had a couple classes today which weren't which were pretty long but can't complain because i'm done for the night the next two days i'm done by 9 30 so not not too much to complain about yeah no doing well dave yeah short week this week so yeah can't complain man so uh, let's just kind of – let's dive right into it. Uh, I know we didn't have a post-game podcast up. That will not be the case uh, going forward. Uh, at least Sean and I, and maybe sometimes Dylan, will uh, be recapping our thoughts immediately following Iowa games. So let's uh, let's just start recapping uh, against Miami, Ohio, some, some, major, some major takeaways. Uh, Dil- Dylan, what was your, what was your biggest takeaway uh, you know, from the 38-14 win? I just thought that they, you know, Iowa under Nate with Nate Stanley kind of at the helm, they've kind of been a second half team in these openers. And I was just impressed with the, you know, the overall demeanor, obviously the slow start. Uh, I expected it. Um, it happened. And then, you know, they kind of buckled down, made some adjustments. And I think it all kind of turned when Makai um, Sargent ripped off that 40 yard. Um, run off the screen pass from Stanley and that the kind of that kind of got the ball rolling in Iowa's favor um just really overall impressed with with everything especially Mackay Sargent I kind of had him pegged as a guy that would really take a giant leap forward and I mean you can't obviously judge that based off of one game but he looked he looked really good Sean yeah I mean there's a, a couple of things to take away um, obviously Nate Stanley looked very, very poised. I mean, he missed on a couple of deep passes, but if he's going to play like that, then I was going to be in a good position for a lot of games. So I know a lot of people are getting him flack for his, um, missing on the long ball, but other than that, he's, he was really solid. Um, and yeah, just his team in general, I think secondary as well. Defensively is kind of an area that's still concerning, um, at different points, but other than that, um, the defense looked solid. Defensive line maybe had some issues here and there. Didn't weren't as dominant as many people wanted them to be, but they did the job, and that's all you can really ask for. Yeah, you know, I I I think you guys both bring up good points. I know I think Makai Sargent really did take a step forward. Uh, I really like the versatility he brought in the receiving game. Uh, the Iowa wide receivers as a whole, I thought, was as good of a debut as I think anyone could have expected. I mean, every one of the major five guys contributed. Tyrone Tracy had a big, I think, 22-yard reception. Nico Regani had a 45-yard one. Uh, and that was one of the issues I think people had with Stanley, though, too, was on that Regani throw. If, if uh, Stanley places that a little bit better, a little bit farther down the field so Regani didn't have to turn back, uh, he probably would have scored. Uh, Brandon Smith is still an absolute freak, absolute monster. Uh, Oliver Martin – just storybook basically with with his whole saga with him his first reception going for a touchdown uh emir smith marset having a touchdown had a couple of really nice uh nice plays also drew a lot of pass interferences i think at least two of them uh but no nate stanley i think played poised with himself he had i think one or two really bad plays uh but i mean 70 percent completion and maybe could have been higher the running game was there uh, I did want to kind of dive in really quick to uh, Tyler Linderbaum, the redshirt freshman starting center. I mean, that, that that's as good of a debut as I think you could have asked out of him. I, I was expecting him to struggle a little bit, maybe a couple bad snaps. Uh, but I think he there are really no snap issues. And he was often 15 yards down the field trying to block guys, especially on that uh, Makai Sargent screen. Yeah, and I think with the Miami-Ohio defensive line, um, obviously not the strength of that defense as so the secondary is pretty solid. So I, my thing with offensive line is if you're not really paying attention to them, then they're doing a good job because if they're not being brought up 
or like the running game's not doing well, offensive line's going to be noticed. So if they're not being noticed, then they're doing a good job. So Linderbaum definitely delivered. I know, Dave, you talked to him a bit yesterday during media availability. And what, what were some of the things that you kind of took away? Like what were some of the things that he kind of said about his game and what like his debut at, debut at center was like? Yeah, so I think Tyler Tyler just said that I think he was pleased with the performance of the offensive line as a whole. He said he he wishes he could have had a couple of plays back, uh, specifically on that on that play where I mean Makai Sargent still ripped off it for I think a 16 yard reception. It was kind of that improvised screen, but Linderbaum wished he kind of communicated uh, the blitz a little bit better. He said, but he was ex- just excited about the debut. He was really praising Kyler's shot. Uh, which will kind of be our next little topic, the walk-on uh, right guard who, by the way, it was an absolute monster. He's a little bit undersized, but he's a, he's a violent blocker. Uh, but, yeah, Linderbaum just said he wants to continue to work on his communication, really wants to uh, just make sure that the offensive line kind of sticks together, especially with Alaric Jackson, uh, you know, at least going to be out for another two weeks or so. Uh but Dylan, what did you see? I know you weren't at the game, but you were watching from afar. What did you kind of see from uh, uh, from Linderbaum? I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head, Dave. Just really solid, great debut. Obviously, um, you know you wouldn't expect the Iowa coaching staff to make that change and then put him in there if they didn't feel he was ready. And that was, I mean, that was just it was great to see. You know, like you said, Sean too. You know, a lot of times to the casual fan, the offensive line, maybe some people don't know who the offensive linemen are because, you know, normally at Iowa, you know, guys aren't getting their names called out because normally if you're getting your name called out on the national broadcast, you know, you're screwing up, you know, you're letting defensive linemen pass you. But, yeah, he was great. He was solid all around, um, pass protection. And then he's – we saw the athleticism, Dave, on that on that screen pass, he was him and Cody Ince were the two guys out in front and they really paved the way for that. Um, really, I thought it was flawless be, to be totally honest with you. I didn't really see many mistakes. Um, if he can throw that out there 12 more times, uh, you know, he, he's probably looking at an all big 10 type season. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. And that it's kind of just crazy to think about, especially since he only started playing center, you know, bowl prep back in December. Uh, but that's just the type of football player he is. He's a four-sport athlete coming out of Seoul in high school, uh, baseball, wrestling. Uh, I think it was basketball and football. I mean, track and football. I mean, he's a he, he's just that kind of versatile player that has just really picked it up. And if Kirk Ferentz is praising you as an offensive lineman being that young, you're doing something right, uh, which kind of brings me to my next, next little topic, which, you know, I – if he didn't tear his ACL as senior year of high school, I wouldn't be surprised. But just with the, the remarkable recovery he's made and what he showed uh, on Saturday, Justin Britt, at least it sounds like from Kirk Ferentz this week, that he, he he's probably not going to be a redshirt guy. And Justin Britt, like I said, tore his ACL his second game of his senior year of high school, enrolled early, so he got a lot of treatment from the staff. But he's a, another guy who really impressed me, despite Alaric Jackson being out. You guys mentioned it. Cody Ent stepped up. Justin Britt stepped up in some packages. Uh, Mark Kallenberger, Levi, I think Levi Paulson switching over to right tackle. I mean, we, we were concerned about the offensive line. Granted, it is against Miami, Ohio, but there are a lot of good things, I think, that we saw from the offensive line, at least at least that, that I didn't expect, especially it being the first game of the season. Yeah, and Justin Britt was a guy that I was really high on coming into us, coming into college. Um, Brett, obviously from Warren Central down there in Indy, as we know, is kind of a football factory um, down there. Um, yeah, he just has all the intangibles. Great athlete for his size, moves very well, um, very good football player, very smart football player, and a guy that just gets along really well with other people. And that's just kind of a whole thing, too, is some of these freshmen are kind of maybe to themselves a little bit or kind of timid. The, Britt was thrown to the fire right away. and really just formed a good bond with the with the rest of the offensive line and the communication too is just a big thing with them and he's done a great job so far i mean for for me what is he a year out really from from that acl yeah i think think about oh yeah probably about almost a year and i mean i know that that's kind of the standard you know sometimes it's faster sometimes it's slower but to be playing big 10 football 
a year later, the year after you tear your ACL, you know, you go through rehab and you, know, you have to get that strength back. And then you have to, you know, obviously your technique has to be better too. And for him to be on the field there like that, it's, that's amazing for me. Well, especially the fact that he never played big 10 football. Like we mentioned, he's a true freshman. Yeah. Uh, it's not only gaining strength, but he had to up his strength because of the caliber of competition he was going to play. And granted, Warren Central, I think, was ended up as a top 25 team last year in the country in high school. So, I mean, they play against some elite competition. Uh, well, that's not for the offensive side. Again, Nate Stanley put up together a nice performance, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 21 of 30. Uh, no, I really liked what I saw the wide receivers. And if they can continue that, uh, that's going to just bold well, I think, for the future. Last year, Iowa wide receivers had 10 touchdowns. Uh, total they already have three after one game brand smith with one oliver martin obviously who i do believe is going to see a snap increase this week he only played about 10 to 12 snaps at most uh against miami ohio i expect him to get 20 25 and amir smith marset defense was a little bit interesting to say to say the least uh that that first half and there were a couple drives there where i mean credit Brett Gabbert, the uh, true freshman starting quarterback for Miami, Ohio, some of the throws that he made and nothing to do with Iowa's coverage. He just put the ball exactly where it needed to be. Uh, you know, for a true freshman under the lights of Kinnick in a sold out crowd, that, that really impressed me. Uh, but there are definitely going to be some question marks, I think, that I'm looking for, uh, especially against Rutgers. Number one, if they're going to move AJ Epinesa around a little bit more because he was absorbing double, even triple teams at times. Uh, but kind of same thing as the offense. Uh, Sean, I'll start with you this time. What was your biggest <clears throat> takeaway uh, from the defense? Yeah, I mentioned earlier with the safeties and kind of the defensive backs in general, there was some, not, I wouldn't say eh, maybe miscommunication. I know Michael Ojemudia said the other day during players' availability that communication is huge with this group because they got younger guys and the stadiums are loud. You got guys switching, you got receivers going in motion, so you got to be able to talk, talk, talk. Um, and that was kind of a problem against Miami, Ohio, because Kinnick's so loud and there were still some young guys out there in the field who were still trying to get trying to get their feet wet with everything. And you kind of saw the growing pains a little bit. I think overall they kind of adjusted as the game went on, but there were some parts like I know – Michael Ojemudia had a couple of uh, miscommunications. I think it was with DJ Johnson, too, in coverage. Those guys weren't always kind of with each other on that. Um, Kayvon Merriweather did fine, but there were still some growing pains there. Matt Hankins, I thought, had a pretty good game. Um, locked down the Miami, Ohio receivers. but Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Yeah, I think that I think that's going to come with more experience with each other and just playing more with each other and just getting in more of those situations and in that environment because you can't really use that type of – you can't really have that type of noise and all the people and how loud it was in Kinnick that night during practice. So that makes it tough when it comes in the game because you got to be able to talk if you're that – if they're if any unit in football, but especially the defensive backs considering how many different audibles and – kind of switching through zones and stuff. Dylan? Yeah, I mean, I was really impressed with the defensive line. Um, you know, I know they didn't really get home, uh, but I think you can kind of credit uh, Gabbert for one. I was really impressed with that kid. Um, and then, two, just a game plan. You know, they did – Chuck Martin did a good job of, you know, getting the ball out of his hands quick because he knew – you know, he knew what Iowa's defensive line was capable of. So, I mean, when you got guys like Epinesa and Golston on the other side, you're dealing with the true freshman, get him some shorter throws, um, you know, get the ball out of his hand just so guys aren't, you know, bring down his neck. Um, Amaya's impressed with Amani Jones. He, he's the one guy that got home. Um, and then the two inside guys, Lattimore, uh, Reef, and then maybe Davion Nixon a little bit too, just in the run game, you know, uh, they only allowed 59 yards rushing, 2.4 yards per carry. So, Really, that unit as a whole was I thought was really strong. 
Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head too with Davion Nixon. I again, he, almost like an Oliver Martin situation. I expect his snaps to really increase this week. What's kind of interesting to me was the amount of depth they they say they have at defensive line, and I do think they have that depth. But that first half, they really didn't rotate much at all on the defensive line. Brady Reef, Cedric Lattimore, AJ Epinesa, and Golston played a lot, and then that second half is really when they started to switch. Uh, Amani Jones, by the way, man, I. I'll tell you what, Brett Gabbert is almost lucky that uh, he didn't he didn't really take a heavy hit from Amani Jones because the Amani Jones just shot out of a cannon and he really could have <laughs> did some damage on Gabbert uh, almost if you wanted to. Uh, but like you said, I, I was very impressed by the way Cedric Lattimore defensive line. Japanese is most disruptive defensive player, only one tackle, but he still got in that backfield with two or three people on him, like. It won't do much for his stats, but that's his NFL reel right there. And he, I thought he played a heck of a game. Uh, Cedric Ladmore, as I mentioned, I thought played one of his best games in an Iowa uniform. I think he's kind of breaking through a little bit. I think he understands uh, what he's capable of, and that switch is kind of turning on. Uh, but I know, Sean, you just kind of dived into it a little bit, but I kind of want to expand on it a little bit more. Sh- should we really worry about the secondary, or do you think it was one game where – hey, look, it's the first game of the year. Uh, they just have some rust to shake off. Or do you think that uh, or do you think that this is a problem going forward? I wouldn't put the panic button on it yet, but I think there's still a little bit of concern because considering you were going up against a freshman quarterback, nothing to take away from Blaine Gabbert, but um, it's just the, 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 the secondary just looks so – at times just looked really out of sorts. And I think two would just have to do with these guys being so young and this being their first time on the field. I think it has to do in that regard. But when you're going up against some of the receiver groups in the big 10, like when they play Purdue or Michigan, um, Penn state, um, they don't play Ohio state this year, but some of those more top tier programs, you're going to have a much more difficult matchup against those guys combined with the speed, their ability to run routes and just their overall athleticism too is a lot better than Miami, Ohio. So I think it was kind of more of a wake up, wake up call and saying that, all right, these are things we need to work on. Luckily we didn't do, we didn't have these. Luckily this was the first game of the season. So we don't have to focus on them later in the season, but we can attack it now and know what we need to work on in order to really be able to defend these big 10 receivers better. Dylan. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think it was terrible. Uh, obviously, there's some miscues. I think Merriweather was out of place a few times. And then uh, DJ Johnson bit on that run that I think it led to their first touchdown, I want to say. Yeah, he yeah, was in man yeah. coverage, and he, he bit on the play action, and they went over the top of him. I mean, that's that's little stuff that's going to get that's gonna get shirt up. I mean, you have one of the best defensive backs coaches in the country in that DB room, and you have a bunch of young kids that are – that basically playing in their first game and they're really raw and like guys like Johnson and, uh, and, and Merriweather, uh, Geno stone. I thought he played fine. Um, he gave up, I think the second touchdown, but that was a well-placed ball, um, going up against a big tight end too. And then Ojemudi and Hankins, I thought were solid too. So I, I mean, I wasn't as down on them as maybe some other people. Obviously there were some miscues, but I don't think it's anything that's not fixable. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting to me. By the way, that second that second touchdown from Gabbard, I almost still can't get over because he was under attack from defensive line. I think there was a linebacker blitz on it too. I thought he just kind of threw up a Hail Mary ball, and they somehow came down with it. Credit, it was a touchdown. It was a heck of a play. But like you said, I don't think Iowa played that very poorly. I think the biggest thing that I saw was – I want to say greedy defensive backs, but there were a few times where I thought Gabbert should have been picked off. I think Hankins really bit a couple of times and he got away from his technique and his eye discipline. He also turned the wrong way once, which gave up a, uh, I think a 25 yard catch. Uh, and it, in reality, it probably should have been an interception if he turned the other way. Um, so I think if, like you said, I think if they can just work with Phil Parker and really stick true to that technique and get their communication down, I think they're going to be fine. I think the group's experienced enough. And granted, a couple of times, as we've kind of mentioned, Gabbert just placed some of the passes yeah. 
extremely well. I mean, for anyone, not just a true freshman. I mean, they were great throws. I think Merriweather's intriguing to me. I think this is the first time where I really have been wowed by his athleticism and speed on the field. I think he has a really high upside. I, I talked to him a little bit yesterday, and he he said he was a little bit nervous at first. He feels like he didn't get to show his tackling ability and his communication ability uh, as much as he wanted to. But he did say that him and Phil Parker talked a little bit. There were a lot of good things to take away, but communication is going to be the biggest thing that he takes into into this weekend. And he feels like if he can just do that and really just kind of dial into everything that he he can play the capability that that he really wants. Uh, but no, I mean, like I said, I, I think the defense is going to be fine. I think Iowa's offense. If Iowa's offense shows up the rest of the season like they did in that second half against Miami, Ohio, I mean, this offense, I mean, we, we've talked about the formula for successful Iowa teams in the past. It's an average offense and a typical Phil Parker defense. I mean, that, that'll get you eight, nine wins a year. It's a little early, but again, I, I think I've even we have even more proof now that with the wide receivers and with the experience in the backfield that this offense actually has a chance to be pretty dang good. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to me that uh, where the offense can go. Uh, well, one of the biggest storylines I did want to touch on was guys, uh, Tyler Goodson. I, I mean, we've talked about him a lot uh, on this podcast. I wrote an article about a week and a half ago, but fourth quarter, it was only a 10 point game and Kirk threw the true freshman out in the fire and, uh, he performed well. Uh, he did say yesterday that he hasn't quite passed Ivory Kelly Martin, uh, but he's mm-hmm. in the conversation. So, I mean, he, he got some decent playing time. What did you guys kind of take away? Uh, well, let's expand it out from Tyler Goodson and maybe the rest of the freshmen that played. That include Justin Britt, uh, Sam Laporta, the tight end. Uh, I think Desmond Hudson also got on some special teams action. Yeah, I mean, I think – Goodson makes sense in terms of Makai Sar- him and Makai Sargent are kind of similar in that they can do a lot of things uh, very good with their feet, very fast, very have good acceleration, can make good cuts and stuff. Um, but yeah, I think Goodson's a guy that's just the whole package. And I, I would have guessed, considering how much running back depth there already is, that they would register him this year. But I think when you look at his explosiveness and guy that can make something out of nothing. He's one that you want to see play a little bit and get some get some more run. Granted, they still have that four-game rule, so he could end up redshirting, but I think he's a guy that could definitely help him. Um, we talked about Britt a little bit. Uh, Laporta, I think it was mostly just for blocking and kind of just get someone in there. Um, I don't know how much of an impact he's going to make this year. I do know that he's been pretty good, especially during that last week of fall camp. He turned a lot of heads. Um, but with Iowa's depth at tight end i thought buyer did a really good job um nate Ween did fine when he was out there drew cook i think had a few snaps i think by or uh laporta could be a guy that can maybe get a touchdown catch down the line but i don't know about in terms of red shirting what that whole thing's going to be hudson didn't really see much of him because special teams um i thought that was kind of a big surprise that he'll end up playing that he'll end up not red shirting I thought maybe he'd get some more run at wide receiver, um, even though they have a lot of depth there. But if a guy like Brandon Smith, God forbid, goes down, or even Smith-Marset, Hudson could be a guy to step in because him and Smith are kind of that similar similar player, both kind of a project coming into Iowa, but guys that can make an impact once they kind of get fully embedded into the system. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I thought a couple defensive guys here and there, maybe we could see a Dane Belton. At safety, if the safety, if the defensive back room still gets smaller, or if there's still some uh, question marks, who knows? With Riley Moss being injured, who's going to step up and be the true backup at corner? Um, there's still some question marks, but I think when you look at the offense, I wouldn't say there's many surprises with the redshirt. I think we all anticipated Goodson would get some run here and there, considering how much hype he's had in. But some of the other guys probably were a little more surprising. Then, uh, or we were a little more shocked to see them get in as early as they did. Yeah, I mean, based on what we had kind of heard all throughout fall camp, like this guy was going to get some run. Like he was ready, you know, 
to contribute right away. And, you know, nine for 37. I think he had one that went for negative one because he slipped. Um, but just overall I'm impressed with him. Good vision. He's, you know, he's got good speed. Uh, he's shifty. Um, and I think, I think with the amount of talent you have um, with, you know, Sergeant young, and then I know Kelly Martin didn't carry the ball, but we've, we've seen him play well. Uh, I think it would be, I think it'd be a mistake to not redshirt him just because, you know, you could get that extra year out of him. Obviously, if you know, these next couple of games, you know, he, he proves like, you know, I can, I can contribute at a high level for this team. Like then you have a really tough decision to make. Um, and I think he's probably going to be the one that the coaches kind of rack their brains with. Like, do we just, do we go with it or do we, you know, do we slap the red shirt on and play him the four games and then, and then shut him down. Uh, Britt overall impressed with him um, in the run game and in the pass. And then I'd be honest with you, I didn't see much of Laporta or, or, or Hudson. So I, I did want I did want to dive I, I dive into uh, some of the injury news uh, before we start previewing Rutgers. Um, and no, Dylan, I, I mean I I disagree. It's tough because I can see Goodson really it'd be worth redshirting him, but the amount of talent he has and kind of that different dynamic I feel like he brings to the team it it makes harder for teams to prepare for Iowa's run game uh, if they have the I mean basically three different styles of back with Sergeant Young and Goodson and Goodson also showed, I mean, he, he caught a pass that I really thought he had a shot of getting in the end zone. And I felt like for a while that Iowa was trying to get Tyler Goodson in the end zone to kind of give him that spark maybe for the rest of the season to see if that can carry him uh, maybe throughout, you know, the rest of the next couple of games, rest of the non-conference mm-hmm. season. And then they can really kind of evaluate where he's at uh, yeah. if they want to register him or not. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, Dave. It, it would be a really tough decision. It would, I mean, it's hard to say after one game. Um, obviously, it looks like he can, he could contribute to the team. But it's like, do you want? You, know, you have three backs that are plenty capable. Do you want to? You know, you burn this. Do you burn this year, or do you do your redshirt him and then you get him back as a redshirt freshman? And next year he could, you know, he could be. I know that's a long way from now, but he could be your best running back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he very well could. Uh, but, yeah, so like I said, I, I was interested in what freshmen that were playing, and Kirk basically said the four that played were on the fast track. So I would anticipate at least two, if not three of them, uh, won't redshirt, which is kind of interesting because coming into I mean fall camp, we thought there would be more true freshman defenders than uh, offensive players. But, you know, as they kind of evaluated, they – they really saw some potential in the playmaking of the guys. So they're going to kind of roll with it for now. But yeah, Iowa, I think really lucked out with Alaric Jackson. Uh, it's always tough to kind of tell with those kind of knee issues, but I think the biggest thing once, at least from my vantage point in the press box was after Jackson did a light jog off the field, I felt like he was going to be okay, but obviously you never know until the, the uh, scans and the tests come back. But no, no ligament damage. It sounds like, and it's just, it's just a sprain. So, you know, I Kirk Kirk did say it's realistic for Alaric Jackson uh, to return from Mill Tennessee State, but I'm not convinced that they they bring him back that soon unless he's 100 percent because I think they'll use that extra week to make sure that he's 100 uh, percent for when they go to Ann Arbor because this team could very well be, you know, four and zero heading into Ann Arbor, which would set off probably for a top 15, top 12 matchup, uh, depending on how the other games go. But we kind of saw some uh, mix and match of the offensive line. As we kind of mentioned, they, uh, they they were very very impressive just for the amount of newcomers uh, that were playing. Julius Brents, six foot three, 202-pound defensive back, is going to be out for, I think he said, quote, out for a while. Uh, and Julius Brents did not play in the season opener. Uh, Sean, you mentioned defensive back Riley Moss is going to be out. I think he said four to six weeks with a leg injury. Uh, but, yeah, no, so the, the injury front kind of intrigues me. Uh, so let, let's just go with who are some guys that on both sides of the ball for the defensive backs and the offensive line, who are some guys that you're looking to step up uh, in place of those guys? Maybe they can't replicate the production, but who do you think could be a difference maker? 
I mean, offensive line, it sounds like they're getting Cole Bamert back. Is that what I did? I, did we get that out of yesterday? Uh, they, he, they're hopeful. They think he has a shot. I believe he's practicing fully right now, though. I mean, he would help at the at the guard spots. I know I liked a lot what Kyler Shot did and and what Justin Britt did at right guard. And then obviously Levi bumping out to right tackle that shows his versatility. And then obviously works coming around the other side to replace to replace Jackson. But I, they're going to be fine on the offensive line. I was an O line factory. Like this is not going to be something that you know is going to be a glaring weakness if Alaric Jackson misses you know the next two three weeks if they come out. Um, Rutgers, Iowa State, the bye, and then they keep him out middle Tennessee. And, you know, it's not going to be something where I, where you look at it and it's like, you know, wow, that was, that was really bad. Um, but the defensive, defensive back, I mean, I, DJ Johnson's got to be better. Uh, kind of a bummer that Brent's is hurt just because, you know, he was one that I thought was going to take a, a giant leap forward. Um, uh, Merriweather's going to have to be better. And then, you know, overall depth, uh, with Riley Moss going down, that that's gonna sting a little bit. Um, but guys like Wes Dvorak and Jack Kerner are probably gonna have to help at at the safety spots. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yeah, I think it, with Riley Moss being out, obviously didn't get a ton of run the other day because he got hurt early, but I think I got like Terry Roberts too. Although he's the backup, could be a guy that could come in and make something happen. Um, wasn't a very highly recruited guy coming out of high school. I'm not sure what his exact offer list was, um, but not very highly touted. Uh, if anything happens to Hankins or he's going to come out for a few plays, then the offense, if they notice it, might go after might go after Roberts if he's out there, um, which could cause some concern. But he's going to be a guy that I think will have to step up, and I think, Dylan, you hit, you hit the – you hit all the points with who you thought was going to step up as well. So I think me for me, it's going to be Roberts just because I think that corner position is so important with the Iowa defense and really him proving that he could step up and be in that role that he uh, came to Iowa to play. Yeah, and the, the cool thing about Terry Roberts is actually uh, when he got to Iowa, they Phil Parker and uh, Brian, either Brian Ferentz or Kelton Copeland, they were, they were fighting over you know, which side of the ball this guy would play. Like he was a really good receiver in high school and obviously a standout DB and, and obviously Phil Parker won that battle. I, I don't know of many battles that he loses. Um, so, you know, he's probably going to, he's probably going to be just fine if he does have to come in. Like you, like you said, Sean, which he probably will. Yeah. So I, I, now I think we kind of hit all the points on recapping last week and uh, the injury bug. Let's dive right into uh this weekend's matchup, the earliest Big Ten game that Iowa's ever played uh, week two, obviously going up against, at least from, from what I saw, it, it's an improved Rutgers team. Like, I mean, they, they only win a couple games on the year, but this is, is an improvement, uh, I think, that from last year. Uh, I'll tell you what, though, for that first 15 minutes against UMass, it really did not look like that. Rutgers was down 21-7. to uh, I mean, you could almost just see the fire, uh, the steam coming off of uh, Chris Ash because that 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 seat continues to get warmer and warmer. Uh, but they scored forty-one straight points, um, and they, they downed them forty-eight twenty-one. McLean Carter, the Texas Tech graduate transfer, threw for uh, three hundred forty yards, two touchdowns. Although he did throw three picks. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, one hundred fifty-six yards on the ground and four tutties. Uh, 7.8 yards per carry. And a guy I was extremely impressed with on the receiving end was Bo Melton, uh, 5'11", 190 pounds, six receptions, 127 yards, and a touchdown. So let's kind of dive right into, uh, guys, with with I, the Iowa State game, probably going to be the most highly anticipated Cyhawk game ever uh, coming up next week. 
do you think that there's a danger that Iowa overlooks Rutgers just based on the past few years? Or do you think that because it's a Big Ten game uh, that they're going to be buckled in? I think I think they'll be buckled in, but it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough game. I think they're gonna stick around a little more, kind of like Miami Ohio did. But I think it's gonna be gonna be closer throughout. As you said, David, it's a Big Ten game, so it's huge. I mean, if you if you want to make your goal, if you want to accomplish your goal of making it to Indianapolis for the Big Ten championship, then it starts right now. Um, so they got to be able to dial in, focus, because I mean, Rutgers is they're offensively they got those two backs that could put some points up on the board. The offensive line is a little bit better. Um, McLean Carter, I mean, it was against UMass, but showed promise. So if they're going to – if Iowa wants to be 2-0 and and wants to have a chance with the Big Ten Championship, then they're going to have to really put all their focus into this one. I don't see a reason why they should be focusing on Iowa State. I think Kirk Ferentz and the rest of the staff is going to get them in the right mindset to focus on this one. So I don't think it will be a big concern. I mean, last time these guys played, I can't remember if it was two or three years ago. I mean, uh, I uh, 20, 2016, I believe. Yeah, I only won 14 to 7. So it's not like, you know, this is, this is a team that, you know, historically they've blown them out. They've only played them once and they won by a touchdown. So I don't think Kirk Ferentz and his staff, you know, the veteran staff is going to allow, you know, them to, to look past this team especially you know it's your big 10 opener you're at home you know your expectations are high you know handle your business and you know then then move on and you know Rutgers while I think that I share those same sentiments with you Dave that they're improved that UMass team is bad like really bad and uh, I we all thought they were going to lose there for a little while obviously they pulled it out Um, but you know last year one of the worst scoring defenses in the country um, and then that UMass team returned like three starters off of a terrible defense. So um, I wouldn't put too much stock in what we saw from them, um, especially because, you know, the quarterback still threw three interceptions. I mean, that's, you know, you turn the ball over three times inside Kinnick Stadium against Iowa's defense, and you're probably not going to win. And there's a reason I was, I think, a 20-point favorite. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's interesting to me because, uh, like I said, I don't think Nate Stanley's played Rutgers yet. And with him being a third-year guy, I don't think that there's much of a danger there. The thing that really jumps off the page to me, again, it's it's kind of tough just because it's week one. It's hard to kind of over – it's tough not to overreact. Uh, but Rutgers gave up 183 yards on the ground uh, to UMass, and Iowa put up 213 yards rushing against Miami, Ohio. So I expect Iowa to play – I mean, a typical Iowa football game. I think they're going to run Makai Sargent, Torn Young. And again, I wouldn't be surprised to see Tyler Goodson uh, get some carries because if they can really get the run game going, then I think that's going to open up the play action, which is exactly what Brian Ferentz wants. And I think they're going to take some deep shots downfield with uh, Emir Smith, Marset, Brand Smith, and, you know, potentially a guy like Oliver Martin. I mean, Tyrone Tracy or Nico Regania. The thing is, all those guys are capable of running deep. And catching passes. So I, I think Iowa's gonna make a factor run the ball. I think the battle is gonna be won in the line of scrimmage. I think if Iowa kind of sets that tone right away, I think they get off to a better start than they did against uh Miami, Ohio. But I I I, I am interested to see how the defensive back responds because Raheem Blackshear, 12 uh I believe he had nine catches, 126 yards, Bo Melton, as I mentioned, 127 yards. Uh, every one of the receivers besides one averaged uh, over 10 yards a catch. They averaged 15.8 uh, for the game. And I think a guy like McLean Carter being a graduate transfer, kind of being around the block, I think he's going to play a big factor considering that he he's just he knows how to play in these road uh, environments. And I don't think, like you said, I don't think UMass is going to be that great of a team this year. But I, I do think it's going to be a mental challenge for Iowa not to just overlook them uh, anticipation for the Cyhawk game. So let's, uh, I guess, let's just go with what's the biggest key uh, for Iowa offensively and defensively if they want to come out on top. Uh, Dylan, I'll start with you. I mean, defensively, you have to contain those playmakers. Um, Dave, you mentioned them. Blackshear, Pacheco, <coughs> and Bo Melton. You know these. You know, I mean, obviously, we're we're not. Neither one of us here are, 
uh, very high on this Rutgers team, but I mean, they have some playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. So um, they can hurt you if you aren't careful. And if, you know, Iowa's DBs make similar mistakes to what they made last week, uh, you know, we could see Rutgers hit for a few big plays. Um, I mean, obviously there, we saw there, there's some holes. I don't, they could get, obviously they'll, they'll do their best to get them patched up. Uh, offensively, it's just going to, it's just going to be getting that run game started. Uh, it's going to start there. And then, um, you know, Nate Stanley can kind of build off of that. Um, I think, you know, trying to, to maybe get some shots down the field. I feel like we didn't see many of those uh, on, on Saturday. And, you know, I'd like to see maybe one or two just to, just to open up the defense, open up the playbook. Obviously I was fully capable of winning the game without opening up the playbook. Um, but, you know, may, maybe take a shot deep to an Amir Smith-Marset or a Tyrone Tracy. Sean? Yeah, I think what Dylan said, just take the playmakers, the two guys, Pacheco and Blackshear, out of the game right away. Um, if, you got, if you can let those guys get their confidence up, then they're going to do some damage out there. I think that's going to be a big one for sure offensively. Um, i like to see some more tight ends, honestly, gets, get involved. Um, I think Byer had a few catches that he looked fine weeding here and there. Um, didn't see much from Drew Cook, but I think I'd like to see those guys. We know what the wide receivers can do. We saw last week some flashes. Um, they they were impressive, but I like to see the tight ends get involved. And I think the offensive line, too, needs to dominate. Rutgers isn't the best defensively, but they're a physical ball club. That's what Mackay Sargent and Young said during media availability on Tuesday is that they like to get up in you and they like to beat you up. And I think the offensive line is going to have a tough challenge in that regard. So I think if they can really control in the trenches, then I think they'll have, then Iowa will be able to uh, come out with a victory. Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of want to, I hate to say it, but kind of what Dylan said, I want to see Iowa be able to run the ball effectively uh, because that is going to open up the pass game for all the, uh, for as bad as Rutgers was last year, they were 19th in passing yards in the country in passing yards allowed per game last year, and they only allowed 121 against UMass. So this Rutgers secondary is not that bad. Uh, first main points is they gave up. So I think running the ball effectively and opening up that play <clears throat> that play action, take a couple shots downfield and kind of get those wide receivers involved. And like you said, Sean, I, I was interested. I was kind of surprised, I guess, to see Nate Weeding not come up with a catch. And Sean Byer, who I don't think had a catch. Yeah, he had a couple of catches in the spring open practice that we saw. Nothing too extravagant. Uh, but he didn't have a catch in the uh, fall camp. So for him to come out there, and he made a lot, of, a couple of tough catches as well. Um, for him to be able to do that was impressive. Defensively, like you said, I think Iowa needs to take out Isaiah Pacheco because he's riding on a high right now after a four-touchdown performance. Uh so, you know, if Iowa can take out him and kind of limit Blackshear and get pressure, I think getting pressure on McLean Carter can force him into some bad decisions, as, you know, we kind of saw last week with them. He threw three interceptions. And Iowa has plenty of players that are capable of uh, of intercepting some passes. Obviously, Iowa has 41 uh, interceptions over the past two seasons, not including uh, the season opening win. So, you know, I, I think that if they can do that, I do like Iowa in this game. Uh, so you know, I guess let's dive into really quick. What's going to be – we already dive into the key. Who's going to be the MVP uh, of this game offensively and defensively? Sean, I'll start with you this time. Ah, uh, man. I think I'm going to go with the running backs. And I don't know if I want to pick one, but I think those guys are really going to have their coming out party. I mean, they've had it before. Obviously, Makai Sargent versus Nebraska and Penn State last year was stellar they were stellar in the first game but I think those two guys if the offensive line can carry their load I think you got Makai Sargent and those guys are going to be able to carry that offense and really open things up for the passing game which will make things which will bust things open um later on in the game so I think I think the running backs will be the MVP Dylan yeah you know I hate to I hate to just reiterate what Sean said but um you know, the Rutgers passing defense, you, you mentioned it was strong last year. Uh, you, you figure it's going to be strong this year. They return Avery Young, who had a really good true freshman campaign last year. He had a pick on Saturday. So, I mean, 
three guys for UMass went over six yards per carry. So, I mean, you think about what Iowa throws at him, physicality standpoint with the offensive line, and then the guys, Sergeant Young and Goodson, um, just, you know, the different styles that they bring to the table. Uh, I think that Iowa's really going to be able to control that line of scrimmage and just really, you know, run the – just for lack of a better – term run the ball right down their throat i think that's going to be um you know where they need to where they need to kind of push the envelope and then you know off of that just you know operate with the with the play action pass yeah you know i think i'll go with i'm gonna go with brian ference uh actually on offense i think that he needs to call a heck of a game i think like i said i think he needs to balance that passing game uh put nate stanley in a position to succeed um, get the running backs involved early and utilize uh, the strong wide receiver core. Because what I was most impressed about Nate Stanley this past Saturday was his pa- his fade passes. I mean, uh, he had three of them, one of which was out of bounds. Um, that Brand Smith still caught. He couldn't get a foot down. It was just a really nice play by the, I think, Manny Ragumba, the former Iowa defensive back. But he placed a great fade to Oliver Martin, which got him a touchdown, got him a uh, great fade to uh, – Brand Smith. So I think Iowa's going to look to utilize more of that in the red zone. Defensively, I'd really like to see uh, – I think I'm going to go with Cedric Lattimore. I think I think if they can get pressure on the interior of that offensive line, that's going to help put Epinesa in a position to succeed and for him to kind of start garnering up those tackles for loss, uh, maybe some sacks, and get him more involved in the defense. But as I mentioned before, I think Epinesa played a heck of a game Saturday despite the uh, – Low actual what shows up on the stat sheet, but if you turn on the. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop, make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil, the final season. Streaming May 23rd, only on Paramount Plus. Uh, by up an eccentric Lattimore or Davion Nixon, who I think is going to, I want to say have a breakout game, but he, he showed some flashes last game um, that, that, that impressed me. So I guess with that, before we dive into some questions, uh, guys, what's your final score prediction and who comes out on top? Um, I'm going to go with Iowa and I think I'm going to go 31 to 14. That sounds, that sounds reasonable. I'll go Iowa to 42-20, though. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with Iowa as well. I think I'm not I'm not sold on the Rutgers defense. I think Iowa's run game, especially if they look the way they did against Miami, Ohio, I think if this is another 200, 200, potentially 250 yards rushing for Iowa. I think Sargent gets 100 yards at least, gets a touchdown. I'll go with – I'm going to go with 42-17. I, I don't know how many points this Rutgers team can put on Iowa. I think Phil, Phil Parker and the Iowa secondary is going to come out mad. Uh, and if they can limit Pacheco in the run game, which the defensive line, as I mentioned, did a great job of, considering that there was no runs for double uh, for 10 yards or more, I, I, I do like Iowa. I just think the matchup's there for Iowa. I think they have too many playmakers. Um that kind of Dave, counteract what Rutgers can do well. Dave, I thought, you know, kind of I, I wanted to bring this up uh, earlier in the in the recording here, but I thought Jamin Colbert was really good in the run too uh, from that from that linebacker spot. I think he led the team with eight tackles. Yeah, he, he, he looked like he took a big step forward, and that's something I was needed. I think one of us picked him to a – I can't remember if it was one of you two or me, but I think one of us picked him to lead the team in tackles this season, but – he looks like he's really starting to learn how to be a linebacker because keep in mind he was a uh, a safety coming out of uh, Bishop Meage in uh, Kansas. So he he's only been playing linebacker for a year and a half, but it looks like there's some comfort that's finally starting to be there. I think you picked him, Dave. I picked Geno Stone. I can't remember who Sean picked. I think Sean picked DJ Johnson, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. <laughs> uh <laughs> So we, we do have some questions before we kind of wrap this up. Uh, were you uh, were you guys surprised at the lack of rotation on the defensive line? Uh, Dylan, I'll start with you on that. 
Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I thought maybe we'd see more of guys like like uh, Shelty and Shannon. Um, I know Nixon was in there, but it was really – it seemed like it was just the Lattimore and Reef show, and then I, I figured maybe they'd move move Epinesa inside maybe. I think they're going to have to eventually because teams are going to just start to, to really hone in on where he's at, and if he's in the same spot every time, it's going to be – it's going to be tough. So, you know, bouncing him around uh, is going to be key. But, yeah, I was a little surprised at the lack of rotation. I don't know if that's going to change or or not. But one thing I did want to ask is, was there any um, clarity on why Reef and Lattimore didn't have names on the back of their jerseys? Oh, yeah. So, uh, Steve Rowe, the Iowa uh, SID, tweeted, uh, I believe Lattimore's jersey was torn early in the game. So we had to use like his practice jersey or something, uh, because it, it, they, he's can wear his jersey. And Brady Reef did not like the side. the The jersey didn't fit Reef the way he wanted it to. They're a little bit smaller because they opted for new uniforms this year. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Sean, were you surprised by the defensive line rotation? Yeah, I think with Kelvin Bell saying that the defensive line, how deep it is, he could go six or seven, maybe even eight guys. That I think. I thought maybe I'd see a couple more here and there, but yeah, I mean, I'd like to see AJ, like Dylan said, move around a little more, kind of be, kind of force the defense to keep them on their toes a little bit and not just plant them in one spot. And I think that'd be pretty beneficial in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little bit surprised as well, but I, I don't expect that to continue. I think they are going to rotate. And I think Amani Jones could see an uptick in snaps because I really liked what what he brought to the team, especially on the edge during that sack. He's a guy that can, I mean, he, he, I'm trying to think of a comparison here. He could make like a nighttime sleep tea burst with energy because that dude is more intense than I think any player I can remember the way he reacted after that sack. Uh, <laughs> and he's, he's just, he's a human lightning rod. Um, well, I can't imagine what was going through Brett Gabbert's mind, just seeing you know him come off the edge. How fa- you know, and he was probably hungry for that sack too. And yeah, he, I think I watched your guys' interview with him, and he said, yeah, his. I could see when his eyes caught my eyes because then I got all big, and you know, obviously trying to get away from him. But at that point, it was, it was too late. But it was, it was good to see him him get that because, like you guys said, he, you know, heck of a kid, and you know, he works his butt off, obviously. You know, what's interesting, too, is we, we've been told a few times by people, you know, photographers on the sideline, when Amaya Jones plays special teams, first of all, he loves it because he just, I mean, I don't know if you guys saw it, he completely lit up some dude's day on a kickoff return. It was, he didn't tackle the actual ball carrier, but some poor blocker, I mean, just got, he, he, you can almost see his soul leaving his body. Uh, but Amaya Jones laughs as he runs down the field on special teams. And if he does the same on the defensive line, I mean, man, that's, that's a scary sight coming at you for all five foot 11, 245 pounds of him of all muscle, by the way. I mean, he, he, he's, he's jacked. Um, so another question was, what should we expect going forward on the four, two, five versus the four, three, it looked like Johnson made some mistakes of the cash in week one. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think Johnson did, but I think with more of the heavier personnel that Miami, Ohio was playing with, I just don't think it made sense for Iowa to put as much speed and athleticism on the field. They needed more of that that bulk at linebacker uh, with a guy like Nick Neiman, Barrington Wade, Jimon Colbert. Uh, you know, I, I just think they didn't really need five DBs on the field. Yeah, I mean, against a team like Michigan, we'll probably see more of the four-two-five. But I'm, but yeah, when you're and they said it yesterday, you know, it, it was basically, you're basically playing off the personnel that they have in there. So if they're going multiple tight ends, you're obviously going to want more linebackers in there. Um, but more wide receivers, obviously that's when you can kind of get more with the speed and, you know, if they have multiple backs. So it's pretty much just going to be based on the opposition's personnel. Uh. So uh, the the one question that I, I that kind of intrigued me because I, I rewatched the game a couple times just for you know the report card that we do on Hawkeye Insider. Um, did the game feel clunkier than the stats showed? And that it, it's an interesting question to me because I'm not I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but I mean, even when Iowa only put up 
what, 10 points in the first half. I mean, the offense was still moving the ball. They just missed one or two key plays, I thought. Yeah, I mean, clunkier is – I kind of thought about that question over the last day or so, and it, <laughs> I don't know I don't know if I have an answer, honestly. At, at points, yeah. Um, but, you know, just, you know, I, what, I scored 28 points in the – Second half. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. the first half was, you know, it felt a little clunky. Like they couldn't get, you know, they couldn't get into their rhythm. But, you know, the second half kind of, kind of, and that's how these things go. The better team, the better team won. And, you know, it was a smoother second half. But the first half, yeah, a little clunky, I guess. Sean? Yeah. I mean, you can expect that from the first game. So I don't think it's much of concern. Um, I think it's just pregame jitters and, it being the first game of the year, so I wouldn't I wouldn't really look into it too much. And so I think we got at least a couple more here. Uh, talk about Kyler Shot and how he'll fit with Alaric Jackson out. Uh, Shot doesn't mean Shot's not going to be make up at tackle, but he's going to be thrown in the action a lot more after uh, Levi Paulson moved to right tackle. But I mean. Man, I'll tell you what, for an undersight, I think he's only what six foot one, six foot two at most. He's as violent of I mentioned earlier, he's as violent of a blocker uh as you'll see an undersized kid. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw Mike Golick Jr. tweet out a clip from him, pushed the guy about 15 yards down the field and just pancaked him. I mean, I for a walk-on for anyone, but especially for a walk-on, I I I loved what I saw of him out of the first week. Yeah, he's a he's a physical kid. Um, definitely one that fits the Iowa mold. Maybe a little short. I think he said that he had looks from Iowa Central and Upper Iowa, but they didn't really give him anything. And the only school that really had interest in him was Iowa. And now he's a walk on, and now he's playing at a big on a offensive line, one of the best um, offensive line schools in the country, which is absolutely insane to think about. And yeah, he's he's an animal. He's physical he does everything as Kirk said he did a lot of good things during camp and even last year too during fall camp um and in the summer so he's just a guy that isn't gonna isn't gonna wow you isn't physically like holy crap this guy is going to be an NFL player he's got such high upside kind of a guy that just gets goes in minds his own business and gets it gets the job done that's what you want I mean, would it would it be an Iowa football season without you know a, a nice heartwarming walk on story? I mean, <laughs> right? So, I mean, yeah, he was yeah, really obviously on that on that video that that was tweeted out. Yeah, it looked like he took three or four guys for a ride, and you know, it seems like just these small town Iowa kids that pop up everywhere. And um, I mean. Just another, you know, typical story. He was he was an animal. He was a beast. So I guess just to kind of wrap this up, uh, last quick question: uh, What's the one big thing that you guys want to see uh, this weekend? I think more snaps for Oliver Martin. There seemed to be a certain energy when he got in the game, and when he caught that touchdown too, that was. That was pretty neat, as you said, David, kind of a storybook moment. Um, so just seeing him more, whether it be outside or in the slot, I also thought that three wide receiver set with Tyrone Tracy, Nico Regani, and Alva Martin was uh, pretty pretty interesting. So I'd like to see some more, some more of that. Uh, for me, consistency from the DBs, and then I want to see Epinesa bounce around a little bit. Yeah, I think I'd like to see more snaps for Oliver. Uh, I, like you said, Sean, I think there's an energy. I, I do think that they're being a little bit cautious with him. Uh, I mean, it's been at least reported enough that, uh, he sustained a very minor shoulder injury a few weeks ago, uh, in fall camp and not, not that he's not hundred percent or anything, but they're, they're going to kind of work his way up and work his way back. And for him to really understand the offense before they, uh, throw him in there full time because I think he is a guy that could be top three, top two in snaps because of uh, just what he brings. Um, I, I'd like to see a couple explosive running plays. I'd like to see a couple 20, 25 yard runs that kind of juice up the team. Obviously they only had six total last year. And I think that just provide a big, big boost uh, to the Iowa offense. So whether it be Sergeant young, Kelly Martin or Goodson, I, I do think that that would provide a big confidence boost going forward. 
Uh, Sean and I will be back for a post-game podcast after the Rutgers game on Saturday. Again, we didn't have the one this past week, and we'll have at least a little bit better setup, I think, than we do now. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, but other than that, we'll try to come back at our normal uh, Tuesday spot after. So uh, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. And as always, stay tuned to Hawkeye Insider at 24-7 Sports for the latest Iowa news. For David Eichholz, Sean Bach, Dylan Byrne, thanks for listening. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!